Hey, it's Roger from Kincaid and Breckenridge. Rob was off this week. This is the highlight show for Thursday, February the 18th. We talked a little bit today about uh, the situation at the zoo, the death of an otter, the unauthorized enrichment item, which turned out to be a pair of pants. And uh, I got to interview Colleen Baird, the general curator of the Calgary Zoo, about the incident, see if she could shed some light on it, answer some questions. And then afterwards, uh, talk to you about the appropriateness of a grade five school teacher showing a slaughterhouse video to students as a, a learning opportunity and a graphic slaughterhouse video at that. Uh, listen to Kincaid and Breckenridge weekday mornings, 930 to 1230 on News Talk 770 and News Talk 770.com. and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. Hey, welcome back. Kincaid and Breckenridge show. Rob is off uh, this week. I'm Roger. Thanks for hanging out. I want to get to your phone calls after 10.30. I got a question for you about what is acceptable and not acceptable to show to a grade 5 class. Um, not to give away the plot, but is it acceptable to, say, show one of those PETA slaughterhouse snuff films? You know the kind I'm talking about? To a bunch of 10 and 11-year-olds? We're going to get into that at uh, 10.30. Now, we're talking a lot about animals this hour. And uh, the animal of the day is the otter. And there was an incident that you heard about yesterday from the Calgary Zoo where an otter drowned, sadly, um, after it was entangled in a pair of pants. The pants were described as an unauthorized enrichment item. So this led to a lot of people going, really, pants? Really? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of criticism of the zoo. Like, the zoo has had more than its fair share of animal deaths that possibly shouldn't have happened. And so they wear this a little bit. And it's just sort of like every time it comes up, people like me go, what the heck is going on at the zoo? And so we got phone calls. We, we investigate these matters, um, which is why I'm very excited and pleased to be joined by Colleen Baird, who is the general uh, curator at the Calgary Zoo, to uh, come on, talk to us about this situation a little bit. Um, Colleen. Hi, thanks for being here. Hi, Roger. Hi, Colleen. Thanks very much for being here today. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so obviously not uh, a reason you'd like to come on the radio, but certainly uh, appreciate you addressing the situation that's occurred uh, with the otter at the zoo. Can you go ahead and tell us uh, what happened? Uh, last Thursday, we had a, our 12-year-old uh, river otter, Logan. He got tangled up in a pair of pants that was in the pool with him. And he drowned. And so we launched an investigation, and the results of that investigation, uh, we ended up disciplining two staff members um, because that pair of pants was an unauthorized um, enrichment item that was given to the otters. Okay. Um, we'll get back to the discipline part in just a second. Um, so there's a lot of people that w- would like to know what the definition of an enrichment item is. Sure. Enrichment items are, you know, items that we give animals um, to help uh, let them do species-specific behaviors. So behaviors that they would we would see in the wild. So, for example, we could give a very large, uh, thick plastic ball to a tiger, and a natural behavior a tiger would do would be to pounce and grab and hold on, and they would do that with a ball. They would swat a ball. So those are natural behaviors that tigers do, but they're interacting with the enrichment item such as a ball. Um, for other species such as gorillas, you know, we would give them, you know, we make... Uh, PVC pod feeders, so they're a piece of PVC with small holes in them 
that have caps on each end, and we can fill that with different kinds of food, and they have to be tool-using to get uh, food out of those pods. Okay. Uh, some other natural stuff is like, you know, we change the substrate, we change their exhibits, uh, put new branching in, um, those type of items. Okay, so not just toys, but, you know, a whole variety of exactly. ways that they might interact. Yeah. So how do pants then qualify as an enrichment item, authorized or not? Well, they don't, and that was the problem. And so, unfortunately, you know, it, it does, it's sort of irrelevant how the pants got there or why they got there or what even type of pant it was, but the fact that it was given to the otters is not acceptable. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's very clear in the protocol, you know, what is acceptable to gift an otter for enrichment, and that was not followed, and therefore we did end up disciplining two staff members. Okay. Um is it irrelevant how they got there? Because I think that by virtue of the fact that you've got two staff members involved, and would one have suggested it and the other one said, I don't see why not, or something to that effect? You know, in part of the investigation, those are those details I can't really get into, but um, it is irrelevant because, you know, it's, it, we have a very clear process on how enrichment is improved, approved. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a lengthy process, and we go through that process because we are, have the safety in mind of, of staff members and elephant uh, and animals. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have boxes that we check, we have levels of approval that need to happen, and then it gets put on the protocol as approved. And so, you know, there's lots of things, you know, that, that staff may think are appropriate, but unless they've gone through that approval process, it's just not okay, and it's unauthorized, and that was the mistake. Okay. How rigorous is that that uh, item approval process? And let me let me provide some context here. I mean, I know that the zoo has had its fair share of, of uh, uh, tragedies, if you will, over the years, um, but I think that we can put them in, in a couple of different categories. Certainly what happened with the stingrays or the capybara, for example, uh, would be, you know, somewhat accidental. Um, whereas the situation with the mark or goat or the bats mm-hmm. who were killed, uh, with the introduction of piano wire into the exhibit. I mean, this sort of leads people to maybe look at the zoo's, uh, rigorous enrichment item, um, you know, process and say maybe it's not rigorous enough. Um, well, all of those, uh, are not enrichment related. And, um, you know, the one thing about our zoo and, and because we um, have the privilege of looking after animals is that we're a very transparent organization. So we're, we want to communicate with the community what is going on and what's happening. And even if that means, you know, the mistakes that are made and how we're handling them. And so, you know, I understand that we have a list of things that you brought forward and those are true. Not all of them are related to enrichment. So this otter one, which is specifically related to enrichment, um, is the first for otters and the first for for several years. Right. Okay. I mean, I'm just trying to compare it to something, right? Just to just to sort of see uh you know what the comparables are, but uh, the goat the Marcor goat surely that was an enrichment item. That was a Correct. rope with a ball on the end of it and it ended Correct. up that the goat somehow was entangled in it and effectively hung to death, right? Correct. So in that case then, I mean, was the item rigorously tested and was the was the goat interaction supervised for a prolonged period of time? You know, I don't know because that was that predates me oh, okay. and my program. So, uh, part of my job um, as the general curator is I'm the behavioral uh, training and enrichment coordinator. I see. So I oversee enrichment. So when I came on board, you know, we looked at that program, and um, you know, the program consists of, you know, a framework of 
you know, filling out forms to get a new item approved, and then also an evaluation form to evaluate the enrichment. So even though enrichment might be approved on the level of it's safe and we're ready to trial it, there's this trial period where it does get evaluated. So in 2008, when the MarCore thing happened, I'm not sure what happened in that particular one. I wasn't here. But moving forward, um, you know, this particular item didn't go through that process. Okay. What have the disciplinary measures been? Um, all I can tell you is that they have been disciplined. Uh, because it involves people and their privacy, we can't go into the detail levels. They do still work at the zoo, and um, that's about all I can say. Um, you can't tell us if they have been taken off uh, any sort of enrichment duties where they could be seen <laughs> made to enrich any other animal enclosures? No, I can't go into that. Okay. Um, what should uh, patrons of the zoo, and by patrons I mean uh, not just those who attended, but also city taxpayers, how should they feel about the way the zoo is handling the situation? Well, I would hope that they would see that we took this very seriously and that we did investigate and that we did take action with the two with two employees. So I hope that they're understanding that this is a tragedy, but but also a call for action and that we did take action. I, okay. Does it, is, is this a case of incompetence? Um, it was a case of not following protocol. I, d- I don't, you know, it's clear in the protocol that what can be given to otters, and it was a breach in protocol. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate that you have to be somewhat guarded in your comments. I, I just, I feel, I feel for the members of the audience who are listening to this, and they, they you know, and I'll be quite frank, otters are some of my favorite animals sure. in the zoo for yeah. whatever reason. But it just, it looks like, um, a couple of zoo employees thought it would be funny to toss some pants uh, into the otter exhibit or maybe discarded them in some irresponsible way and are somehow being protected by the policies that the zoo has in this case. Um, you know, maybe I'll try to clarify for you. Um, sure. So, you know, different types of items are used with different types of animals. We have, uh, you know, fabrics that can be used with gorillas. We have fabrics that can be used with other animals. But not every animal interacts with the same items the same way. So what's okay for a gorilla to interact with is not the same for an otter to interact with. And, you know, there is some, you know, you have to think about what is good for this animal and what will happen if they interact with this object. So I don't, I don't feel it was sort of like, oh, we're just randomly going to put a pair of pants in with an otter. It didn't it? In my mind, it wasn't like those type of decisions were making, you know, there was a mistake that was made, a decision made, and that didn't follow our normal practices or procedures. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll leave it there today, Colleen. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. All right. That's uh, Colleen Baird, General Curator of the Calgary Zoo. So you heard her say a lot there, you know, explained um, what a what a an enrichment item is, an authorized enrichment item. And what's curious about about this distinction is, like, I get it. I get that you're going to put a giant ball in the tiger enclosure that's going to enrich the enclosure. She also described it as, you know, things like a, a substrate. Um, you know, you're going to build a, a floor or some sort of a structure inside the exhibit that will help this, you know, animal with its natural behaviors. Um, but, look, if the pants aren't an enrichment item, and I asked her that, and she said, well, they're not, and that's the problem, then why are they considered an unauthorized enrichment item like i mean i look i guess i'm i'm maybe i'm i'm harping on a a pretty small detail here but i think that including it on that list oh that's an unauthorized enrichment item 
suggests that the pants could enrich the environment, but we're not authorizing them, and it lets the employees off the hook a little bit. Now, the other thing there that I think uh, you Calgarian taxpayers should be a little upset about is that we don't get to find out who the employees are, and we don't get to find out what the punishment is. Now, I don't want anyone to, to necessarily lose their job here. Okay, I'm not, I'm not calling for that, for heads to roll. Uh, I'm not entirely sure to what degree this otter death is just gross incompetence or negligence or a total accident. If you want to make the argument to me that, hey, if you tack down the pants, you basically have two fabric tunnels. Like, I could see that. You know, I've watched hamsters play in a cage before. I get it. They like to run through tubular things. An otter to me is kind of like a giant swimming hamster. And uh, if it likes to go through the pant legs, fun. I get it. I get how you could make that argument. But instead, what we have here is is Colleen Baird comes on and says, well, look, you know, we're trying to be transparent. Well, I appreciate that. Then what? what's the discipline? Well, for privacy reasons, can't tell you that. I don't know if that's necessarily fair to patrons of the zoo who in large part are taxpayers of the city of Calgary. Now, I don't think you need to say, yeah, we fired those two people. But I think we do need to say, here's the steps that have been taken to make sure this doesn't happen again. Here's what they're going to be doing. Like, are they on ice cream duty now? Have they been moved away from the otters, suspended without pay? I don't know. But I just sort of feel like that the financiers of the zoo and all of their endeavors really deserve to know. Uh, let's take a break. So a lot of your text messages coming in on this matter and some interesting uh, perspectives on whether or not we should even have a zoo in this city. We'll get to your phone calls as well. 974-8255. Your texts, 770-770. When we come back, it's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. Welcome back. This is uh, just Roger this week. Rob is off. Uh, for the rest of the week, he'll be back on Monday, and we'll, we'll we'll spend the entire day talking about his holiday. Probably not. No promises. Um, 974-8255, if you want to weigh in on this situation. A lot of people are texting in on this uh, this matter, texting at 770-770. Uh, one good question, Mike asks, uh, how do we know they've taken measures to not let this happen again? Look, suffice it to say, pants are out at the author exhibit. Everyone will remember the great pants incident of 016, uh, just like piano wire is out for the bats. They had a situation a while ago where they put piano wire in a bat in, in a bat exhibit and a lot of the bats hit the wire. Dozens of them died. Now, I, you know, they didn't think it through, I guess. I don't know. But the question with the pants is, if it wasn't on the authorized list of enrichment items, how did the pants get in there in the first place? Like there's, there's a lot of questions that, that should be answered here, and there's a lot of processes that we should become privy to because every time something bad happens at the zoo, we get, you know, we get to speculate again and again and again. And it prompts a text message like this one, someone from Hannah saying, you are asking for heads to roll, Roger. You're an outsider looking in with no experience. Of course I'm an outsider looking in with more experience, as are most of us. Who of us doesn't go to the hockey game and yell, shoot, when the flames have the puck in the other end? But I've got the facts. We've got a dead otter and a pair of pants that weren't supposed to be in there. And part of my hard-earned dollars go to fund that organization. 
so I'm not, I might be an outsider looking in. I don't have any experience in uh, zoology or zookeeping. That doesn't mean I'm not an invested stakeholder in this. Here's a text. To be honest, Roger, I believe this is just another reason why zoos should not exist, and perhaps conservation area would be better. Never been a fan of seeing animal species confined behind bars unless it's to protect that species from extinction. It's a good point, uh, Christian. Thanks for the text message. Uh, no, it's a very good point. There's a lot of people that um, we, we lose sight. This is the problem with the Calgary Zoo in particular. We lose sight of the great conservation work that they do because of these incidents. Like in the flood of uh, 2013, one of the great stories that came out of the flood was these people who stayed behind at the zoo and basically guarded animals like with a shotgun. You know, and like there was the the story about the hippo um, that could have escaped. And, you know, we'd have a situation where maybe we have a, a hippo in the Bow River. Because there were these great stories about how dedicated the personnel at that facility were when that that island was inundated with water. And then we get this story, and we don't get answers out of the zoo that necessarily give us peace of mind to let us know that they are the credible institution that many see them for. Let's get to John here. Hi, John. Go ahead, please. Hi, Roger. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, happy to. I just wanted to uh, mention, you know, I think it's uh, fair that uh, the Calgary Zoo would not disclose the uh, identity of the employees and a bit more detail about the discipline. I think it's important that these employees, now that they have been disciplined and, and punished by the employer, aren't punished a second time. They don't need to be crucified in the media. They don't need to have a story that exists on the Internet for years to come when they try to apply for jobs down the road. You know, what the zoo is telling us is they've been disciplined, it's been dealt with, and uh, it may be unsatisfying, but I think we need to accept that. Now, I, I think there's one other thing they could have said that would have brought us a bit of satisfaction, and that would have been some perspective from the employee, whether that's a statement or something that says, you know, uh, we've learned from it, we regret what's happened, we're obviously saddened by the death. Something like that would have been great to, uh, uh, to bring us a little bit more satisfaction. But at the end of the day, we're going to be left unsatisfied, and I think that's the way it has to be. I think that's a great phone call, John. Thanks very much for making it. Yeah. So, you know, John, John raises the point that, look, if we name these people, then they, li- they live on forever as a mistake they made basically is a stain on their, uh, uh, on their lives, on their employment record, uh, uh, forevermore. So, you know, I'll go back to something I said before the break. Look, if there's an argument that the pants are basically fabric tunnels that the otters are going to enjoy playing in, then I can get how you could arrive at that end. It just ended tragically in this case, and yeah, maybe that's not something they need to wear with them beyond the, the term of this punishment. But to, the, the other point John makes is, is quite brilliant. If we could get a statement out of the individuals, an anonymous statement out of the individuals, recognizing what they did was, was wrong and why it was wrong, and then they go through with the punishment, whatever it might be, uh, uh, you know, a suspension without pay or uh, taken off that particular duty and put on another one, I think that would satisfy a lot of people, but we don't get that. You know, so we're, we're basically, we are basically left to go, all right, well, you know, that's kind of embarrassing, but uh, I guess we'll just wait for the next one. This is Rose. Uh, hi, Rose. How are you? Oh, hi. Well, I'm disgusted with this zoo. They seem to kill off a lot of animals there. Remember, there was a bunch of manta rays that drowned for some reason, yeah. with the manta rays Those or whatever? Yeah, stingrays, yeah. Yeah, stingrays, and it just goes on and on and on. Like, what kind of people do they employ? I, I think a 10-year-old would know better than to throw a pair of pants into a pool with an animal in it. 
And everybody just shrugs and says, oh, well, it's just another animal, but that's not the point. We're supposed to be caretakers of them, especially in the zoo, and it doesn't seem to be happening here in Calgary. Uh, okay, yeah, th- thanks very much, Rose, for for sharing your opinion. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm going to go back and say that I, I don't think that we've got a, a situation where there's a couple of idiots who threw a pair of pants in the uh, in the otter enclosure and said, have at her. I mean, like, let me put it to you this way. I have a dog, right? You, you've heard me say many times in the past that I, I've got a Labrador companion who's been with me for 13 years now. And, um, you know, look, I care very deeply about my house pet. Now, if I did that for a living, I imagine I would have an even stronger bond with uh, the four furry legs that run around my house. So so I, I don't think that it's fair for us to make some assumption that uh, that the two people in this case um, don't care. We're, we're, we're negligent and just don't care about the otters in their in their care. But, uh, yeah, they breached protocol. And I think that if this is a protocol breach, then... You know, we, we deserve to, to, to know what's being done to make sure the protocol's not breached again. Everything is obvious in hindsight, somebody texts. Well, yeah, fair enough. But, look, there's a reason they have processes and protocols and that they have a list of of authorized enrichment items. A 974-8255. We've just got a, a couple minutes left in this uh, in this half hour, so we'll see if we can uh, squeak in one one more uh, quick phone call or your text messages as well at 770-770. Daniel, hi. Thanks for phoning in. Hi, Roger. Um, you know, when it comes to zoos, I know a zookeeper very closely, and, and I don't think people realize how much they truly care about the animals and, and the welfare of those animals, whether it's... Uh, you know, uh, right down from the, the, you know, the survival of a species sometimes, right, to just looking after orphan wildlife or whatever it is. And, you know, there are protocols and policies in place, and sometimes you get new people in place that don't realize what's going on and why those policies are in place, and they, they do something that they think is well-intentioned, but they make a mistake. And, uh, and I've watched when uh, a zookeeper friend of mine has lost an animal that's been under their care, whether it's just from old age or whatever, and they go through a lot of emotion, no different than losing a family member. And uh, so I think people should consider that when they uh, start thinking about whether or not these zoos are viable or not, because I believe they truly are. Yeah, it's a good phone call, Daniel. Thanks very much for uh, for making your point before the end of the segment. Um, yeah, you know, it's entirely true. I think that these people are very close to their work in, in the same way that many of us are very close to our work, whatever our vocation may be. You know, it just, it just sort of comes down again to this question about, look, how do the pants get in there? Why is this sort of thing happening? What are the protocols in place at the zoo? I don't think it's too much to ask. I don't think it's too much for Calgarians to ask that, that the zoo um, shine some light on what these procedures are and tell us what went wrong, where, where was the ball dropped, and what's being done to correct it. In the interest of transparency. When we come back from the news to 1030. This story actually kind of, kind of shocks me because it's, um, it, it's a couple things, but one, it's a pretty stern lack of common sense. Now, I'm an advocate for, you know, honesty in all forms or showing people the unvarnished truth wherever it may be. Uh, but, but I do have some exceptions to that rule. One is the grade five classroom. But I want to hear what you think of this story about what a teacher in Michigan did that upset a lot of parents of a lot of 10 and 11 year old kids. When we come back from the news to 1030, it's Kincaid and Breckenridge. This is News Talk 770. 
888-978-9974-TALK. Text us to 770-770. Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. Just me, Roger, this week. Rob will be back on Monday. And then uh, we'll resume our doubles tennis matches, I suppose. Um, This story surprised me. And by the way, for those of you who are wondering, um, still trying to track somebody down on the fluoride situation. Now, um, Drew Farrell has gotten in touch with the program. We're seeing if we can make uh, some time for her later on in the show. Uh, It'll kind of depend on our schedule and hers. In the interest of humor and irony, she was at the dentist as we tried to reach her. Um, so we're going to try and, and have her voice for you at uh, probably 12 o'clock. But we, we've got a TBD in that time slot right now, to be determined. Remember that? Remember when you used to look at the TV listings when they were on Channel 2, the big scrolling TV listings, and then you'd see TBA? That show was on a lot, and I was young and naive, and I thought that that was some sort of wrestling Truly, I thought that was like, and I didn't know what kind of wrestling it was, but it looked the same as WWF and GWLO, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, WCW. And I thought to myself, I gotta watch that TBA, and it's on for like three hours. It's three hours of wrestling, but it's on at one in the morning. (laughs) And wrestling was never on! And I was ripped off as a kid. Anyway, we got a TBA, we got wrestling at noon today. Uh, wrestling to find either uh, Drew Farrell, possibly Michael Platt, who's got a great piece in uh, The Sun about that today. Now, uh, let's get to this topic for this half hour, and your phone calls, please, 974-8255, because uh, I want to hear what you have to say about this. I am uh, the the fruitless gentleman speaking before you. I don't have any kids, particularly any in uh, elementary school. Uh, but this story just seemed to shock me, and I kind of put me in one of those modes where I thought, now hang on a second, if I were a parent, how would I feel about that? We got a situation where a fifth grade science teacher showed his class a film, a video, they use video now, about the production of animal food products. Okay. So I don't think this is so bad so far. The video shows baby pigs being slammed to the floor, cut and beaten at a slaughterhouse. Now, is is that appropriate? It appears that the teacher showed what is basically one of those, like, PETA snuff films. I don't think that you would get the uh, How Pork Chops Are Made video from, like, the Pork Society of the Midwest, for example. I don't know, I'm making something up. Where uh, you'd have the, the Midwestern, you know, parochial-type narrator say, and this is the room where we'd throw the piglets against the wall. Like, you wouldn't have that. Now, if it was, like, a proud, this is how you're food is made video from the people that make the food, it would probably be a little less graphic. But this was, make no mistake, this was a graphic video that showed baby pigs being slammed to the floor, cut and beaten at a slaughterhouse. It was like one of those PETA snuff films. I heard it described that way by a friend of mine. Now the school, uh, the school board, the superintendent of, uh, of these schools says that this teacher is an excellent teacher. <laughs> That's the best part about it. When reached for comment, oh, yeah, he's an excellent teacher. Well, I mean, mostly, except for that thing he did there. Would... Everything else he's done has been pretty much excellent. This one is questionable. Excellent teacher on staff. Strong leader who made a poor decision in judgment in this particular case. 
parents were furious. Some parents were furious. I wonder if other parents thought to themselves, oh, good. A kid needs to see this. It's the truth. It's happening. My kid needs to know what's going on in the world around him or her at age 10. Uh, but other parents said, look, it's up to us to show our kids that kind of material. The school board disciplined the teacher by uh, suspending him for six days and docking him six days pay. So six days on un, un, uh, unpaid leave. That's the punishment in this case. So there's a question here now is like, is, is this sort of thing? And if you don't know how I feel about PETA, I just absolutely despise PETA. I think they're one of the most hypocritical organizations. They claim to do things, uh, uh, for animal welfare and they're, they're, meanwhile, they're killing a whole lot of animals and abducting animals from pretty good situations, uh, frequently. So I got no, no time for PETA. I don't know if this was uh, a PETA branded video, but it sure is one of those videos that shows, uh, some of the misbehavior of, of abattoir workers, slaughterhouse workers. So the question is, is it appropriate for that teacher to show that video to your kids? <laughs> what would you do? How would you respond? If your kid came home and said, oh, my God, I saw the most horrible video today. It was about why we like bacon so much and where bacon comes from. And the video made me cry, Mommy. Would you sit your kid on the knee and say, the truth sucks sometimes? But you have to kill very cute animals from time to time if you want to eat bacon or if you want to eat veal. I mean, how do you, how would you handle this conversation? There are a lot of text messages coming in uh, on this matter at 770-770. We're going to take a pause right now. We'll read some of those text messages, but I'm really curious to hear from you, your phone calls. 974-8255. Is it appropriate for a teacher to show that sort of thing? And is that a, a lesson that grade five students need to learn, and if so, do they need to learn it by watching one of those graphic slaughterhouse videos that's produced by PETA? You're listening to Kincaid and Breckenridge. This is News Talk 770. And Fleetwood Mac, that's my jam. This is my karaoke song right here. I like to uh, dim the lights in the bar before I rock this one out. So the question is, I mean, we got a teacher who showed one of those PETA-type snuff films to uh, a grade 5 class. As part of a science lesson on animal food production, right? In this case, it showed pigs, young pigs, piglets, being slammed on the ground, cut and beaten. So not what we would call appropriate slaughterhouse actions, but stuff that happens nonetheless. So I guess the lesson of the kids is, hey, this is where your food comes from. You better be okay with that. Gloria's called into News Talk 770. Hi, Gloria. What do you think? Hi, how are you today? Well, thanks. What do, what do you think? Should this video, uh, this type of video be shown to elementary school kids? Well, I don't think it's appropriate, um, but I was saying that, you know, back home we used to kill our own animals. I'm from Argentina, and um, I think it's sometimes in the matter, you know, you have to teach your children what is going on on the real world, and this is what is going on in the real world, but it's not appropriate how they treat their animals. Right. You said something interesting to me. You said, as a mother, it's important to teach your kids what's going on in the real world. Does that mean that you should teach them or that you're okay with the school teacher teaching them this sort of thing? Well, I think the school should uh, let you know what they're going to show to your kids. Right. Okay. And then you decide whether or not 
you you let them do that, right? Right, yeah, and, and that's the thing here is that it, it appears that nobody knew he was planning on showing this. Uh, that's wrong. Uh, yeah, this to the kids. Uh, Gloria, thanks very much for the phone call. I really appreciate it. No problem. Right, Thank you. Have care. an amazing. You too. Uh, so, yeah, Gloria says that, look, I mean, this is the real world here, and it's important that uh, parents let their kids know what's going on in the real world. See, like, for me, I know these videos exist. I know where to find them. I can't, I can't watch them. I don't have the, the, the heart to watch them. Now, I'm the first guy to tell you how good Alberta beef is. And if you come to my house for dinner, there's a very good chance you're going to get a grilled steak or something to that effect. I, I get it. But this is a question in some respects about do you need to know how your sausage is made, right? I like sausage. Do I need to see it made? I really don't. And I also know that there are some slaughterhouses that have great practices. I mean, look, I, I, I get the uh, the irony in saying we humanely kill our animals here. But there's some places where they slam pigs against the floor, and then there's some places where they don't do that, and then they, you know they end things rather quickly. So this guy could have shown a different video of a more humane slaughterhouse or a slaughterhouse with good practices as opposed to one of these PETA videos. But would that be inappropriate, too? Monica's phoned in. Hi, Monica. How are you? Hi. Good. I'm, I'm fine. I, you know what? I've worked in a, in a, in a small abattoir, and, um, and uh, I, I worked on the kill floor, and believe me, that does not happen. That doesn't happen like it, you're, it doesn't not, you're, happen. you're not denying that it, it happened in this particular video, but you're saying that it's not really common practice. Not common practice in any abattoir that I have ever known or worked in. Right. See, and I, I, I agree with that, Monica. I believe you that these people that work in uh, uh, these types of facilities are more concerned with feeding the community than power tripping on and abusing animals. Like, I think that it's rare that you get some sort of a sadistic person working in the abattoir. But uh, the, the question then, you know, let's take what you had to say as, as, as gospel and then take it to this teacher in grade five in Michigan and say, well, why would, like, should a teacher show a good slaughterhouse video to a 10-year-old kid. Well, you know what? what? Okay, so obviously the teacher is... Um, obviously he has an agenda. That's my guess, too, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's pretty clear that, you know, he's probably a member of PETA. Who knows, right? Uh, yeah, um, could well be a member of PETA or, or just a, a militant vegan or something to that effect. Let's face it. Um, all of our educators are... Um, I know going through the school system and, uh, you know, going through uh, college, university, they're all left. Uh, okay, I can't quite get there with you because I had, uh, and I'm going to leave it at that, Monica. Thanks for the phone call. I can't quite get there with you where they're all socialists or they're all left. I get that they all have the teachers' association, but, I mean, I could I could name for you the conservative teachers that I had who uh, I even went so far as to extolling the virtues of, of conservatism and conservative governments when I was in school, but... Uh, it's neither here nor there, not really part of the argument. Uh, someone texted in to say, this would be like using Debbie Does Dallas as a sex ed teaching tool. Nobody would approve of that. And I, I tend to agree. That's uh, pretty spot on. Uh, Dwayne is called in. Hi, Dwayne. <laughs> hey, you caught me off guard there. <laughs> no worries, man. And don't, don't try to top that either, Dwayne. Just bring what you uh, have. <laughs> yeah, I can't top that. That was too good. <laughs> hey, um, you know, it, it bothers me that teachers step outside the curriculum that's set down for them. You know, um, obviously that's not part of the curriculum to show that kind of uh, movie to children, especially young, impressionable children. I mean, you're kind of taking away some of their innocence, you know, like how dare they? 
And, you know, and for the last caller saying that uh, a lot of teachers are left, yeah, they are, but there's a lot of teachers that are conservatives too, so whatever. But uh, what gets me about this is teachers shouldn't have the right to teach personal point of view. And I have, I'm a father of three, and I've gone through this a few times, being that uh, we're in Alberta, and I've had teachers tell my kids how evil the oil patch is. Right. Well, the oil patch is paying their because that's where the base of the tax dollars came from. You know, I, I, I hate to say this, but just out of pure frustration uh, as a parent, sometimes teachers should step back and realize that they have a curriculum to teach from and that they should just be accepting of that if they didn't want to be accepting of the fact that they're there to regurgitate facts out of books that the general public deems to be what's necessary for education, then they shouldn't be teachers. Right. All right, Dwayne, thanks very much for uh, for sharing your thoughts uh, on that matter. You know, it's it's interesting because I, I hear what Dwayne's saying and I sympathize with him, particularly when he says he's dealt with this a few times, but... If I go back to my personal experience, I really think that the best teachers and the best lessons I learned were from the ones who, who didn't just adhere to the curriculum, but were the ones who, who were able to invoke some personality and, 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 and personal experience into the matter. So I don't know where the line is on that. I mean, I, I dig what Dwayne's saying. I just don't know if I can get there, get with him a hundred percent. A lot of text messages coming in. And this one strikes me. It says, just show the truth. Was the video untrue? And that's a good point is that it wasn't. Right. This is a video of something that actually happened. Monica phoned in to say that, you know, when she worked at slaughterhouses, this sort of thing didn't happen. And I think it's entirely true that at most slaughterhouses, it doesn't happen. You got a lot of responsible people who are just trying to uh, fill the food chain. You know, they're, they're trying to uh, provide healthy proteins for people to, to eat. But there's bad apples in the basket. And so you get uh, these complaints about people, um, you know, uh, abusing chickens, abusing pigs at various uh, uh, facilities, and then you know, Peter gets the hidden camera tricks out, and away they go. And they're capturing the truth. Granted, they're editing the truth, controlling the message, and trying to play on people's emotions. No one's denying that. But like this texter points out, just show the truth. So what is this teacher guilty of exactly? Because it's not lying. The teacher did show an honest depiction of what can happen and what does happen in some slaughterhouses great text message coming in on this one um from somebody who says i'm 57 years old i still remember when i was in kindergarten in rural surrey british columbia being taken to a chicken farm and shown how they were killed hung and drained which is to say they have their throat slit hung by their feet and then left to drain of their blood they thought it would be educational i didn't and i still don't what, what that what fascinates me about that is that there's precedent there right like, I think it would be terrifying to take, well, and he's in kindergarten too, so don't, isn't there like a trip to Butterfield Acres or something as well that year? Like, do you know what I mean? We're going to the petting zoo. And then next week, we're going to a place where, <laughs> but, but it sends to me that, you know, you've got this guy who says, hey, like, I'm nearly 57, and they took us to a chicken killing facility. That in school boards worldwide, you might think that, um, that all teachers would hear, yeah, they used to do that, and it was a terrible idea, it turned out, so they changed the practice. That's why we don't show these videos in class anymore. Uh, is this uh, Taria who's called in? Hel- 
Tara? Hi, yeah, it's oh, hi, Tara. Hi, sorry, how are you Tara. doing? Nice, it's good to see, good to hear from you. What's up? Yeah, I just I guess I just wanted to to throw my hat in the ring a little bit. Um, I represent uh, on a board of directors the Canadian Federation of Humane Societies here in Canada, and I'm I'm a executive director of the SPCA in Red Deer, and we work very very hard to provide great humane education to schools locally. All the humane societies and SPCAs have programs, and so while we believe that the message of providing uh, you know, humane methods of slaughter or humane methods of, of care to animals is a very strong one. I think these videos have a place for sure. I mean, if they are showing the truth, however they're packaged, they are still showing a true message, whether it's every slaughterhouse that does this, whether it's every transportation facility that does it. Right. It's still happening out there. You know, the thing so I have about... It's counterintuitive, about, yeah. I guess, to our message. So we're just really short for time, and I have a question that I want to squeeze in. But, I mean, I think that when I was... Think back to when I was 10 years old, how, like, I, I thought of the world in absolutes, right? And I just wonder if this message to these kids doesn't make them think that all slaughterhouses are this way. Well, and I, I think that... It probably does, but then that, that works in reverse. Back in the 50s, those strong messages of the, the beautiful farmyard and, and how it looked in the old days when you had three cows and two pigs and that was how it was. That is no longer the way it is in factory farming practices now. Right. It's a very different picture. And so that picture we've proven with children is still there. It's something we've passed down. So I, I think perhaps this teacher was trying to show a more realistic picture of factory farming, um, but there's a different way to do it. And so our, our question would be, how do we package that in a way that shows children that the mass production of, of, of factory farms now is it's a challenge that we all have to deal with, and certainly we have to address how um, these practices are being governed and managed in our, through our government and, and how cruelty is being, I guess, managed. Right. Tara, so, uh, really appreciate your call today. Thanks for calling in. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Uh, very nice of uh, Tara to join us and uh, provide that perspective. Uh, just as we're wrapping up the segment, got it in just under the wire. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if I had a kid and came home and said, we watched this slaughterhouse video today, I would sort of feel like now i got to take you to a real slaughterhouse, like a good slaughterhouse, and show you how it's done. And then we're going to have a hamburger after the fact, and you're going to see that, hey, this is the way the world works, kid. Sometimes we get blood on our hands, but we dine, and we dine well. Um, let's pause here for the news to 11 o'clock. We're going to talk about this new uh, naloxone, which is this antidote for fentanyl overdose. We're going to get more details about exactly what it does and how we're supposed to administer it. It's kind of this question about if you give it out, are you not giving people permission to harm themselves? Dr. Jane Buxton will join us after the news to 11 o'clock. You're listening to Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770.